back to the Deeper Dive podcast, produced locally in the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C., here at Sacred Heart Roman Catholic Church in La Plata, Maryland. My name is Bill Winnell, once again joined by Father Larry Swing. Hey, Bill. Father Scott Woods. Hey, Bill. And Father Jack Berard. Hey, Bill. Today we're going to talk about God's God's mercy, um, what, scripture has, what Scripture says about it, uh, how, how we balance it with justice, how to receive it, Father Jack. Thanks, Bill. Yeah, I think, you know, after this past Sunday's readings, it really kind of should stick in all of our kind of minds and hearts about the mercy of God. And it doesn't even matter if you went to a Mass, uh, I would say, where uh, the scrutinies were held, right? So the year A readings, uh, or you were just at the uh, a Mass without the that right. Um, because the Gospel, though they're different, still kind of speaks of that same core. So the one is, uh, if you went with one with the scrutinies were... Were, were, were done, then you heard the parable or the story of the man born blind who was healed by Christ. But the, the year C readings is probably the most uh, powerful parable about mercy that exists in the Gospels, or at least in my opinion. Maybe it's just you know my own bias coming out there, but it's, it's a parable with, with a few names, um, sometimes called the parable of the prodigal son, probably most famously. Uh, uh, the Bible I have open in front of me has it listed as the parable of the lost son, and in years past or in decade or I say ages past, it was called the parable of the two sons. So all of this kind of this all of it kind of reflects around though the idea of of the mercy of God, right? Um, and and it's kind of just it's it's an idea that kind of in in many different ways uh, exists throughout Scripture, right? Uh, I was reading the. Uh, it's called the New Catholic Bible Dictionary by Scott Hahn, um, which I think I think we probably most of us have, um, and and he makes the claim that it is it is the foundation of of revelation is is this idea of the mercy of God. Um, so I think it's worth kind of going through I, you know some of the passages, the different ones that we kind of strike us. Uh, do you think it <clears throat> real quick? Just an opening question. Do you think it's partly because it's so easily identifiable on a human level with, with the parable itself. Yeah. yeah I think, I think so. I think, I think so many people do kind of see it. Um, but it's also pretty, I mean, it, there's so many kind of amazing details within this parable that I think it really kind of stru- it, it becomes a great thing to preach. Like it doesn't even matter what like level you're used to preaching on. Uh, there's so much to be said, um, uh, w- around this theme of mercy within the parable, which isn't always true, right? I mean, priests have been really good at <laughs> making a parable mean what we want it to mean, right? How many times, or even stories of, of Christ, right? The multiplication of the loaves and the fishes is now about sharing, right? <laughs> you know, but like we can do that if we're, if, if we're uh, good enough. Um, but here, I think we're always going to be talking about mercy, which I think is, is pretty powerful. So if you are, guys will give me the, the indulgence of, of reading at least um, uh, the large portion of this parable that even though we heard it on Sunday, I think it's worth hearing again. So then he, then Jesus said, a man had two sons and the younger son said to the father, father, give me the share of your estate that should come to me. So the father divided the property between them. After a few days, the younger son collected all his belongings and set off to a distant country where he squandered his inheritance on a life of dissipation. When he had freely spent everything, a severe famine struck that country and he found himself in dire need. So he hired himself out to one of the local citizens who sent him to his farm to tend the swine. 
and he longed to eat his fill of the pods on which the swine fed, but nobody gave him any. Coming to his senses, he thought, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food to eat, but here I am, dying from hunger. I shall get up and go to my father, and I shall say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would treat one of your hired workers. So he got up and went back to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But his father ordered his servants, Quickly bring the finest robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Take the fattened calf and slaughter it. Then let us celebrate with a feast, because the son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. Then the celebration began. Now the older son had been out in the field and on his way back. He heard the house, and as he neared the house, he heard the sound of music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked him what this might mean. The servant said to him, Your brother has returned, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf, because he is in back safe and sound. He became angry. And when he refused to enter the house, his father came out and pleaded with him. He said to his father in reply, Look, all these years I served you, and not once did I disobey your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat to feast on with my friends. But when your son returned, who swallowed up your property with prostitutes, for him you slaughtered the fattened calf. He said to him, My son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours. But now we must celebrate and rejoice, because your brother was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. I mean, I don't know. I, I, every time I read it, I, I'm, I'm struck by, by some different thing. I don't know, if Father Larry, if you got a kind of nugget that yeah, you always kind of grab on. Yeah, um, yeah. I think, it, it's, I think every human person, um, I get choked up when I read it, when I proclaim it. And the more I proclaim it, the more I notice um, how powerful it is. I think it's, I think too, mercy, um, I think it's good to, to understand, you know, what that word means, but it's like that our Lord has this, this, this desire to change us. And we realize, I mean, like that prodigal son, like he thought that the father's just going to kick it, like disown him completely. And, uh, and the opposite happens. I mean, he's, he's given like all the money's put back in his bank account. He's got a ring on his finger, robe on his, on his back and sandals on his feet. I mean, he's just completely back in action. And I, I think mercy only makes sense if we realize how bad we have it yeah. and how good God is. Like, and, and I think the, I think one of the problems I think with the understanding of mercy today is, is unfortunately, I mean, I, I think we as priests understand this because it's our business, but I don't think that people realize the tragedy of sin mm. and what it does to us and how it breaks us and really ramifications and really what God is taking off, you know, like he's taking the punishment upon himself. He's just completely in some ways, I mean, like letting us off the hook and say, Hey, it's over. Uh, you're, you're free. And it's like, why? Because I love you. And, and, and it's just like one of those things like, well, that, you know, we don't understand that because that's not how people treat us. And, uh, but I think it's, I think it's good, you know, to understand that. I mean, like, that God is both mercy and justice. And when he shows us mercy, that's so powerful and should really, our, our response should be absolute gratitude and love. You know, yeah. um, I know Father Scott. Yeah. I've always found it interesting that uh, one uh, title also for that 
parable is the parable is the parable of the of the merciful father. Yeah. Uh, that that it, the that the if you notice the the emphasis is especially on the father. That to Jewish ears, they would never have expected a father uh, to be like this. Uh, Jewish ears at that time. Um, in fact, I remember one scholar saying that actually the, the tradition was of, of a son had done anything close to this. When he arrived at the home, the father would turn his back on him and say, you are dead. You know, that, that well, I think, I think in law, father Scott is like, you could just kill the son and you have no legal repercussions mm. for decent. I mean, it's even deeper than that in Eastern cultures, even to this day. Um, the, I, I mean, it's, I mean, like, seriously, if you, we, we take disrespect as, ah, it's just, you know, people are like that toward their fathers. But in Eastern cultures, if you go and disrespect your father like that, he could just, he could just knock you off. And, and the authorities would be like, oh, I'm sorry, he disrespected you. <laughs> so for, I mean, and, and, and that's right. the thing, though, is it makes sense in the, in the fact that, like, Christ is as, this is the third parable in a row that he's teaching, like, one after another to really highlight the absurdity of God's mercy. Because the first one is the parable of the lost sheep who leaves 99 behind, who is a bad shepherd, like, objectively, right? Like, if one sheep's being an idiot, you don't risk the rest, right? But he does out of, out of a desire. And then there's the story of the lost coin. Right, so the widow has ten coins. She finds one, and she celebrates. She throws a party. It it doesn't make any sense. You're going to spend more money than you found celebrating the fact that you found this coin, like like that's where this story comes in. Is is exactly that's the context. We think, oh yeah, of course a father would accept us back, um, but the reality is that with no strings, by the way. With yeah, and 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 overwhelming because you you know the one I know one 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 homily I heard said. That it wasn't just that the father ran out because he was like excited to see him, he ran out to protect him, right? Because just like you were saying, Father Larry, is that it wasn't just the father could kill them, <laughs> like everybody All in the right. community had had kind of a role to do that. So he runs out in a protection, like a protective act, so that he doesn't right. he isn't harmed further than he already has been harmed. And and that the father's always moving. That's another commentary I read some time ago. Say that you know the father. The father is moves towards the son, but towards both sons, mm. and 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 both sons offend the father, mm-hmm. and yet he's the one that moves towards them, and invites right. them home. Yeah, yeah, right, right. And I think I think even just the, you know, and and kind of jumping off a point you made early, Father Larry, that that we don't understand what we do when we sin, and and I think like the fact that the parable describes it as my son was dead and is now alive. I mean, if right. we think about it, the term we use for, for particularly grave sins that we commit is mortal. It, it means like yeah, we, we kill the relationship um, with right. God. Right. And, and I think you're right. If we, if we kind of understood that, that that's what we do, that that's the offense that we are causing the Father, we would have a greater respect uh, for his mercy, you know? Right. Um, you know, we would, we would understand the gap or a little bit better the gap that is being bridged by him. Right. Do you think you think one of the the pro? I mean, I I agree with you wholeheartedly on this, and and I think that uh, one of the problems is I think uh, it was funny because today's gospel was somewhat along the lines of condemnation versus you know you accept my mercy or you don't if you do like Jesus is it's the J- Joe and I and you going back and forth we're like I don't know where to go with this but but uh. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like when you get to John, sometimes you're just like, "Oh man, it's like seven seven thirty in the morning." Like, gosh, he's so deep. But, <laughs> but essentially, it was about. It really was this. 
he was, you know, putting out to the people of God that, look, either you accept me as God and let me heal you or you'll be condemned and, and um, like, I'll save you. And, um, and I, when I was, I was kind of putting out to the people is like, and even praying to myself is what's my perception of God and is it balanced? Right. And I think sometimes like um, for some people, they can't relate to a, a, like an un, a father that loves them unconditionally that's really hard for them to conceptualize. Well, you, and, and can you, uh, and, you've, Father, you've talked about that in the past on several occasions with um, the reason, that, well, bec- because it's, you know, some people have had such hard relationships with their own father that they can't, that this is unimaginable to them. Right. Um, well, I mean, we've all experienced this, I think, as priests. And I mean, I think every human person to that extent, we existentially struggle with this is like, does God really love me unconditionally? like unconditionally. Um, and I think that that concept is so foreign, especially for Americans, because we are so judged by performance all the time. Mm. And uh, I think we, we, we constantly struggle with this like performance anxiety type thing where, you know, we, we think we're loved if we just really do well and we're hated if we don't, that's just sort of part of our culture. Um, and then some, some kids are, or maybe in some upbringing, that they were only got attention when they did well. Right. And so the idea that, well, wait a minute, God loves me even when I sin and it'll take me back is really hard for some people to conceptualize. And I think people that struggle with despair, I would call that the sin against the first commandment against the, you know, sort of a despairing of God's mercy or not believing that it's true. I mean, really have to meditate on the prodigal son and the lost coin and like God's love a lot more. You know, they don't really need the fire and brimstone homily. Now, on the flip side, <laughs> the kind of person that just, you know, I'm going to go back to dad's house. He's going to let me back. No no questions asked because I'm the son. And, you know, uh, it doesn't matter what I do. I think maybe they have, people have to meditate more on God's justice <laughs> a little bit more, you know, because well, and, and, I, I, you know what I mean? I mean, I guess it's, and I, 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 I question myself, like where, if I look at God, like, Jesus, like, is he my friend? Is he my Lord? Is he, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, but anyway, go ahead. Well, then I think, I think if we look to like, um, to, to Old Testament, which sometimes helps kind of ground ourselves in, in, in how the community would have understood God's mercy in general, right? We come, if we remember as Moses comes down, uh, from the mountain with the 10 commandments, right. And, and this is his second attempt at receiving the 10 commandments, right. Cause they've already, completely failed the first time with the whole golden calf scenario. But now we're looking at right. the, the second time. Uh, he then, he proclaims this. Um, he cried out, The Lord, the Lord, a merciful and gracious God, slow to anger and rich in kindness and fidelity, continuing his kindness for a thousand generations and forgiving wickedness and crime and sin, yet not declaring the guilt guiltless, but punishing children and grandchildren to the third and fourth generation for their father's wickedness. Now that's that's how God Himself describes Him, right? Like these these words are are kind of uh, are non accidental, right? To to be able to say, I I want to give mercy in an abundance that you can't even understand, right? But also I don't force it. I think I think that's part of what 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 needs to be kind of well conveyed is is when we talk about like the the justice of God, it's. It's not like he's sitting up. I mean, we gotta get rid of the, like the accountant mindset, which I think is what we so often think of. It's because the easiest probably image to make of him, but rather it's just he's not gonna force this on us. 
Um, but but what we deserve, we don't deserve him either, right? Like, like is there anybody's like is there any love that we deserve? And and the answer is no, right? Like that's not a thing. Uh, from God, from God, or from yeah. God, or from anybody, though, right? Like, I mean, we have a, right, right. I mean, we have a right to certain things, but amongst other people, we have respect. But to say love and to say uh, I have a right to the relationship with you, no matter what I do, is obscene. No one would ever think that, even on a natural level. I don't think. I mean, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. But is there is there more to the term accepting God's mercy than simply acknowledging that God is merciful? Uh-huh. Well, it's, it's, it's a total, I mean, I, I think Bill, that, that it, it comes, it's an acceptance of our sin. Like first off is our frailty, our weakness and our need for his mercy, which, you know, is first and foremost, like I'm a sinner and then asking for it. So I think it, I think it's, uh, it comes down to like Monsignor Pope has a way of saying, he, he talks about like people don't go to the doctor unless they know they're actually sick. And, and I think that we have to realize that we are existentially sick, broken, and but we, there is a medicine, which is God's mercy. Like it, it's, it heals our sinfulness, right? So I, I think it's uh, accepting mercy means also accepting our sinfulness, but then realizing that we have a God that loves us even, even when we sin, he still loves us and he'll take us back if we, if we just desire to be back in that relationship and to really seek holiness and to avoid sin in the future as best as possible with his grace. I mean, I think that's, I don't know. You want to father Scott? It's just, not, I mean, yeah. Cause I, I mean, I think, you know, you've probably watched plenty of people who are, are, are moving from just acknowledging that God is merciful to like a personal acceptance of mercy and right. like how that, that process kind of comes about. Yeah. Um, especially, especially when, uh, when when people struggle with particular sins, mm-hmm. you know, you have this <clears throat> whole uh, thing where they, they knew God was merciful, um, but it's when they encountered his mercy, particularly in the Sacrament of Reconciliation. Recently, mm. um, our high school that we all help out at um, had uh, the guys retreat, and there's just, just it was amazing how even, even non-Catholic guys wanted to go to confession and wanted to confess their sins. They couldn't receive absolution. But they they so desired still in some way to, to touch upon his mercy, you know, when that was talked to them about that they recognize I, I need that God of mercy in my life, and and uh, one one uh, the uh, one of the teachers said this one guy came out who's not Catholic and was just like, I want to go to confession every week, mm. <laughs> I want to go to confession, and it's not that certainly it's not that he wants to tell the the horrible things he's done every week, he wants to experience knowing that God loves him. And that there's that you know, pray God there's a chance for him to receive through through his saying, I, I desire his mercy. You, you know, and I think you know when we when we had that podcast a couple of weeks back about how to do how to make a good confession. Like this was one of the things that this is why we had that kind of long, drawn out process of like we say everything right, we say it in number and kind because in having to voice it, it loses its power right, and it gives it over to God. Right. Um, so often when God talks about his love in scripture, he talks about it loosing our bonds. Right. Um, you know, letting it, letting or having us like let, let go of the world and, and the bondage to it so that we can be set free for him. Um, I don't think it's accidental by any means. Um, an right. accidental quality. Right. And, and I think too, I, and I, and I, I would hope that most Catholics and Christians, um, 
believe in God's mercy. I think that the struggle is not so much maybe with the concept of God per se as is the priest merciful, like that I'm going is, will he be an instrument of mercy when I go to him? Right. Cause I mean, I think there's that, uh, I think uh, because a lot of times we link, you know, God's mercy, obviously with the um, tribunal mercy, which is confession. And that's where we experience that. But I think we all struggle with that human side of that, where is the priest actually have that heart that you, a person feels like I encountered the mercy of God. And, uh, you know, one thing I was telling the college kids, because, you know, I mean, co- especially in college, the, the whole con- confession thing's a little bit tough, especially when you're the only priest <laughs> in town down here. And, uh, but it, I think it's like, once they get to know you, but like, I was telling them, like, it's better for me to be a lamb in the confessional than in the, in the pulpit. If you're going to, if you're going to be tough, be a tough on the mm-hmm. pulpit, be a, la- a lamb in the confessional. And, um, and I think too, maybe it, part of it is that, um, I think a lot of, not, it doesn't really depend on us, but we are kind of those priests, we're instruments of that mercy. And then when the person comes in the confessional is that they experience that sort of, um, you know, that loving, loving experience of God somehow through our weakness, you know, and I think that's, that's probably, I mean, cause a lot of, you know, I think, I think people maybe get that, but I, I don't know. Uh, that's just part of it too. And, um, I found an interesting quote here. Maybe we could tie this in it uh, about uh, St. Faustina. And she was, uh, she asked the Lord this question. She said, when I, once I asked the Lord Jesus how he could tolerate so many sins and crimes and not punish them, the Lord answered me, I have an eternity for punishing these. And so I am prolonging, prolonging a time of mercy for the sake of sinners, but woe to them if they do not recognize the time of my visitation. Mm. So it's like God is like reaching out saying, look, I am going to, I'm going to hold off on all this. I'm not, I do not want you to be punished. I will, I will do whatever it takes to get you back, but you have to also take my mercy seriously because what, if you don't, then you have to receive what you deserve, you know? And that's, I think that's the power of mercy too, because mercy, I think loses its, it loses its sort of impact. If it's just sort of like, you know, you get pulled over by a cop, and you get a warning every time, you know, I think there has to be in the back of our mind too, is like, there can't be a presumption of God's mercy either. And, um, you know, how do, how does that come to play in, in a spiritual life? I don't know. I want to jump into that. Well, well that, certainly you know, the reality, the reality of the repercussions for sin. I mean, this is the reason for the church has, you know, the church hasn't the ability to gain indulgences. And we, and we know of course the church's right. teachings on purgatory that, that uh, that there is still justice, there is still justice. Yeah, Father Scott, here's the, here's a question. All right, is purgatory, from your perspective, I mean, Father Jack, is it a it is is it is it something that we we see as merciful or a thing of God's justice? Well, the souls in purgatory themselves would tell you that, that this is this is this is both this is this is first of all God's mercy because they know how much they deserve hell for the slightest sin. And so, right. hold, on, whole, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold oh, on, When did you talk to a soul in purgatory? I'm just curious. This is awesome. Father Scott <laughs> talks to souls in purgatory. This is awesome. Next podcast. You heard, <laughs> it, you heard it here first. <laughs> now we know what he's, he's talking to. Oh, no, right, this, right, is, right. this is this is this is this uh, is when I was. Uh, I can't remember what I was reading. I can't remember if it was Thomas or. 
oh, I can't remember which saint I was reading, and it's it not. But they, they, this is theologically based, not just not so much sure. based off of soul from purgatory. Really, just the reality that that the souls in purgatory themselves know more fully than ever mm. before. They're not distracted by the other things. The consequence of sin uh, upon our Lord and in, in, in the moment and 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 really what they deserve and, and the abundant mercy of God. And so the, this we call them the happy souls in purgatory because they, they first of all know they're going to heaven, but second of all, just they know more they value more than ever before the abundant mercy that they've received despite uh, that justice, you know. Mm-hmm. And and so this is this is just such a clear thing that that, that they themselves would know. You know, no, I <laughs> you know, I I, 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 I did these right. things and, and I need to be purified from them in order to be made ready to receive the great blessings the Lord wants to give me. So it's a mixture. I mean it's it really like, is a I accept Yeah. Father Jack? Uh, yeah, I oh, know. I mean absolutely. I I mean cause, well it, we have to I mean cuz to to presume the mercy or to to not have any sort of of recognition of 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 a lack of evil, right? So that that's kind of what we do. Is a punishment we got to stop when we talk about the punishments of hell, we, I think it is something important to remember that as much as God allows it, it's not something that he's like rejoicing in, right? Like I right. like of course. you know. And so when we when we think of it that way, we we're, we we got to be just kind of very attentive to the fact that like like if if this is if this mercy is good, then there has to be a good that or a place in which good is lacking, right? So the mercy of God is the only way in which we get to heaven. We don't earn heaven uh, just because we exist, right? We we um, are graced with it. We're gifted it um, because of what God is offering out to us. So be, with that goodness, there has to be a choice to say no to it. And that choice of no, that rejection of what God is offering, is what uh, what uh, you know sends us or allows us to to go into what gives us that. That is our choice for hell, um, you know. And I think I, I mean I think we kind of are speaking around it, um, but but like yeah. So so the souls in purgatory who are experiencing, um, although not the permanency, they still experience the same fires of hell. That that punishment aspect, like they understand punishment and the justice of it, but at the same right. time, uh, they they are re- recognizing that because it is limited, there is a mercy to it. Um, and I think we also have to understand that, that, you know, his mercy, you know, and if we really get into it, his because <laughs> because his mercy is real, and it endures to the thousandth generation, and it is always available to us who who go to him in faith. Um, we also recognize that there's a justice in him giving the mercy, as it, and because he has proclaimed it and revealed it. Uh, if he is faithful, which he is, you know, as if he, because he does not change his ways so that we can always go to it, that is part of his justice, right? It's not to be something separate completely as we sometimes make it out to be because it's easier to understand it because that's how we think. But for God, it's like, no, like this is how I have shown myself. And so it is only just that I remain merciful. That's a good point because I think everyone, uh, you know, justice has a, always seems to have a negative connotation or, you know, a, a uh, um, punitive mm-hmm. in, in some cases. Yeah. <coughs> right. And it's kind of, I mean, it's like this gospel we're going to have this weekend with the woman, woman caught in adultery, mm. which is sort of a, uh, you know, they're trying, you know, they're about to stone this lady and trap Jesus. And, um, 
and so you know essentially you know he he starts writing in the ground which i think some of the biblical scholars say he's writing the sins of the men in the ground i don't know if that's that's i mean we can prove that or anything we don't know right hypothesis and uh yeah possibly <laughs> you know it's but he's like why would they drop the rock and um and then and then there's that beautiful uh sort of dialogue between him and the woman at the end and he says um is anyone here to condemn you and she says no one lord and neither do i condemn you now go and sin no more and and i think too that's it's sort of like it kind of brings those two worlds together where he's like look you're not going to die for your sin but like you know now embrace my love and my mercy and and you know embrace a life of holiness and some people i don't think it's so Craig could have said that I mean, she's portrayed sometimes Mary Magdalene, you know, who became a great saint. So, um, and that's a woman, I mean, Mary Magdalene, I think is a great role model for, um, you know, she, now she's been called like the first apostle by the Holy Father because she proclaims God's mercy, you know, and went from being a, I mean, a prostitute to, you know, to one of the greatest saints in history because she accepted God's mercy, but she took his mercy seriously and it changed it changed your life forever, you know? And I think that's, a, it's, I think that's one of those powerful, I was, one of the most powerful things I think we experience as priests is when we see someone who's just like completely messed up their life and then change it almost 180 because of the church. I mean, like to see that it's, I mean, it's a walking miracle yeah. where you're like, there's no way this marriage is going to survive. There's no way this person can get out of this addiction. There's no, or a person suicidal, and then all of a sudden they encounter God's love, and then it's like they're different. They're they've been transformed by this encounter with the mercy of God, right? And I think they they and they'll be very honest. Like you know, you know, I was I was not in the way to heaven, and now I I, I have hope, and and uh, I I want to be a disciple of Christ. You know, so it it is uh, good. So anyway, Father Scott. question there <laughs> yeah well, yeah just encounters with mercy and you know and, and that sort of like okay. transformation yeah so definitely the uh, you know i've seen it a lot with young people and they'll have this uh powerful confession this happens a lot in confession um where they realize how much the lord loves them uh, from the mercy he's willing to give them despite their sins and that you know while they have now, they have been continually looking at themselves through their sin, now the Lord asks them to look at themselves through his eyes, which are the right. eyes of mercy and love. And not, not only that, but, but that he has, has truly given them a, a fresh beginning, a new start, and that things, and that he will then give sufficient grace to then continue to live that life. That's not, I was emphasizing to the kids at our grade school last week when they were going for their confessions, I was speaking before all the classes and just emphasizing, you know, it's not just about wiping away your sins. He's also going to give you this grace to help you to more and more overcome that sin. And so, but right. you have to make this step towards the Father. You know, and now, but the beautiful thing is he's already making steps towards you. Right, right. Father Jack, were you in Rome during the year of mercy? I was. Yeah. I mean, did you experience anything? I mean, because you, you're in, in Rome while that happened. We were all, you know, kind of promoting this here in the United <clears throat> States of America, the year of mercy with the doors and people. I know some people like walk through the doors of the Basilica, receive the indulgence. And there was this big push, you know, for that year uh, to people be to, for people to be aware of the mercy of God. Uh, did you experience anything in Italy? 
Uh, I, you know, I mean, I remember seeing the holy doors open at all the basilicas and all those kind of things for sure. I actually remember I was ordained during, during the year of mercy. So it's kind of cool. I have a papal blessing and it says, uh, in Latin year of mercy. Um, and so I, I think that I'm the only ordination class and, and at least that anybody here would remember where we walked through the main doors of the basilica for the procession because every other year they start in the sacristy and then you kind of, you know, weave your way through, but you never actually go outside. We went outside so that we could, every priest could walk through the holy doors. Um, oh, wow. To, to awesome. like kind of gain the indulgence right <clears throat> as the ordination was starting, which was kind of uh, a very memorable, you know, kind of a bit more memorable for me because, you know, because, um, you know, the, the holy year kind of ended a little, not too long after that, but we were able to, right. to do that. Um, yeah, I do remember, I do remember the holy doors um, being open. I remember... You know the the kind of extra pilgrims <laughs> that were that were there for that, especially at St. Peter's, which you know had a line kind of wrapping around the whole square um, mm. to to get through security to be to be able to have that chance. Um, yeah, that that that's kind of what sticks out is just that kind of uh, draw to it more than right. more than any particular kind of instance. Bill, you know, uh, you know, you you work with landings uh, a lot of years, and um, and I think you yourself have a love for uh, sort of you know um, people coming back to church. You yourself experience that. Could you, from your experience working with um, people coming back to Christ after many years or leaving the Catholic Church, and maybe it was during Lent when this happened? Um, do, do you think like they get the thing with mercy or they struggle with it or they feel I'll be, like I'll be honest. Not... And maybe, <clears throat> maybe my, um, maybe my experience is totally different from the three of your, but, I, but I, I, I suspect not. Um, for as much as we hear about God's mercy and, and understand it and believe in it, it's not an right. easy sell sometimes, you know, right. I, you're, you're, you're dealing with a lot of people in, in the case of landings who left the church for one reason or another some quite right. still very angry about something um, right. that happened, whether, whether I look at it and say, that's the silliest thing I've ever heard. It, you know, you can right. tell it, it made a mark on this person. And um, right. yeah, it's, it, you know, you can, I, I think sometimes we take it for granted, the words that we say out of our mouth, God is merciful, you know, uh, and, and everything like that. But to, to, when you start getting into it and, you know, they're like, well, give me an example. And like, uh, I think father Scott kind of gave some examples. I was, the other um, a couple of minutes ago, because most people, you know, landings was a reconciliation ministry. And we all know that's probably the first example anybody would give you. If you asked them, show me concretely, you know, God's mercy at work or whatever. And most people would say, well, the sacrament of reconciliation, no argument here, but um, you know, as father Scott just kind of pointed out some other examples of, of, of examples of that he's seen of God's mercy among young people and, and trying to explain it to, to someone anger. Like I said, it wasn't always easy. Um, you, you know, you kind of have to be, that's why I brought up the, uh, you know, accepting that you have to be accepting of it. Um, right. And it's, um, you know, it, there's a, it's a, it, to me, it was a process for some of the, you know, for the groups. That's why a program like landings wasn't a week long. <laughs> that's why it went on for, you know, eight weeks or whatever, because, you're, you're not breaking people down, but you know, you have to, it takes a while for, for you to get to the heart of the matter that, that is the reason they left the church. In some cases, the real reason they tell you that, you know, uh, up front what the reason is, but then you, then there's all kinds of like 
a B's and C's to that. Right. Um, so I, I just don't think sometimes it's, it's not as, it's not as easy to sell as you would think it would be. Maybe that's not your. <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and I think, you know, I, I think there's, a, it's, it is kind of a difference between a surface level and a, and a, and a true, true repentance, true mm-hmm. conversion of heart. Right. Um, that, that I think it's, you know, <laughs> I mean, the reality is, Every confession should <laughs> have this kind of great conversion of heart, but I think so. A lot of confessions, even amongst good people and pious people, are not. You know, they're 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 good. You know, they're valid. They they're striving, but they're not quite at that point of really uh, recognizing the gift of of God's very self that that is 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 so powerful. Um, and it is a hard thing. I mean, at the same, I mean, it's easy in one sense, but it, it does require something, right? Like if we look to like, you know, God in the old Testament, you know, has the salvation of, of the people, uh, who are bitten by snakes is a bronze serpent, right? And all they have to do is gaze upon it, right? Uh, when, uh, when David says in Psalm 51, cleanse me with hyssop, O God, right? That hyssop is, is again used on the cross, right? Like we're called to like gaze upon the cross and look at him. But, you know, but, and what God kind of says to us is like death itself is a mercy, right? And, or at least it's, it's, it's a way in which we move through, right? Where we can go beyond, but how many people really don't see that, right? How easy it is for us to say, no, 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 it's easy. Fine. My death will be fine. Yeah. But but how many how many times do we know somebody who said, "Well, my my father died, and so I left the church." My brother, my friend, my my nephew, right? Whoever it is, I mean, yes, it is hard. It's I mean, we have great sorrow over it, and we should. That's a different thing, but it doesn't mean that it's not a mercy of God that that allows us to receive something greater. And I and I'll just go a little bit further. Is while it is not easy to sell. You all, you all see the the fruits of it um, certainly more than the laity, and, and you know because of the, the confessional. But when it when when conversion does happen, or you know at the end of this at the end of this eight weeks or whatever, and people are people are you know have have come back and have gone to confession as a result of this, realizing it's not me, it's obviously you know Lord working through me or whoever else is doing it. But wow, it's a beautiful thing, and I know you all see it way more than the lay people do. But just from my you know, the experience that we were just talking about, it is an amazing thing when when someone is kind of has again accepted God's mercy, come back to uh, the sacraments, and is a part of the you know is an everyday part of the parish again. It's it's amazing. Yeah. Well, I think it, it ties in you know with that gospel that Father Jack started us off with, you know, the prodigal son, where it says it came to his senses, mm-hmm. and and I think it's not like he just like oh you know looked in the mirror. I mean I think. He was given this grace by God to turn, like, just to think about home, to think about his dignity, to think about what he'd lost. And I think there is a, a preventive grace that was given to, and there's a grace that's given to people to, to turn back to God. Even that's a grace to, I mean, there's, I mean, sometimes you ask people, why'd you come like after some years? I don't know. I just felt. No, that's, a, and that, that's very true. Some people cannot tell you. They're just this, they'll, you know, some describe as just this nagging pull or, um, or, you know, uh, the, kind of maybe a perfect storm sometimes like a friend invited them to come and they just came to kind of hear them out the first week with no intention to come back. 
and then they come back week, the following weeks. Do you guys do you guys know the story? You probably heard the anecdote about the the French cardinal that uh, did a mock confession. Do you know this one? It's a, no, I've never heard it. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty interesting. Uh, I can't remember the cardinal's name. I think he just passed. He might actually be up for sainthood, but it was it was back in the '90s. He gave a homily, and he was I think it was to youth. And he was preaching about confession, and he said that there was this, he was he was telling a story about this Jewish boy that went to there in France, and they're walking by this church, and yeah, they, I think they were they were high school and maybe cop, they were young young, you know, and they weren't like kids; they were teenagers or even a little bit older. And I think they've been drinking all night and just you know part, and they, they see the sign for confession, so they're like, hey, why don't you go? Let's go go to confession. And they're like, ha ha, you know. So they go in. And, and they they basically bet the Jewish guy go up and just try to shock the priest. And so he goes behind the screen, and he just makes up this horrific confession. You know, just every awful sin you can think of. And he he says, and the priest is like, "Okay, are you finished?" And he's like, "Yeah." He goes, "Okay." And there's this awkward silence. And the um, priest behind the screen says, "Okay, I want you to go to the front of the church, and I want you to kneel down and look at the crucifix." And say, Jesus Christ, I don't give a damn that you died for me. And the guy's like, excuse me? He goes, and say it three times. So the kid gets up. He walks out into the church, kneels down, and says, Jesus Christ, I don't give. And, like, apparently just started crying. And uh, the priest comes up behind him. He goes, okay, you ready to make a real confession? You know? <laughs> and, uh, and he turned around, and apparently he was baptized the next year. So he's like this amazing conversion. And the French cardinal, it was Tim. It mm. was the that he was the Jewish boy and he uh, just had this a massive like experience of God's love by just almost telling Jesus he didn't give a damn that he died for his sins. But I wonder if that was just Cardinal a, Lustinger. Yeah, that's right. Cardinal Lusinger. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So anyway, so that's, it's kind of a strange conversion, but it, it's just, and he died a very saintly Bishop, you know? So. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think this is why, but that, I think that exact point is why so many of our, so many of it in our tradition, our prayers are focused around meditations upon the cross, right? Like it's, it's, you yeah. know, we, we think that it's just meant to be kind of like a, a downer thing, but it, it also helps us realize how great the gift is um, mm. to see the cost of it. And I think, I mean, I, I don't, I think it's something we need to regain a little bit of trying to help people see the value. Um, that's like, that's our job as preachers, I think, uh, is right. to really be able to preach um, what the cross wins for us. Yes. But also, uh, the cost of the cross. Right. Right. This is what he did for me. You know, and I think that's, and I, that's a great point because Paul always linked mercy as it should be with the cross of Christ mm -hmm. and this terrible, this, this death that Jesus brought upon himself. So, so. all right. Blessing. Sure. Um, Father in heaven, we just ask you as we get closer and closer to Easter and Holy week and, we ask you to uh, not underestimate the power of your mercy in our own lives and, and also be in witness to, to mercy by the way we treat others and, um, and how we approach you, Lord. Uh, we ask you to bless all priests, especially in these next couple of weeks, which hopefully there were a lot more confessions, but a lot of work um, of bringing souls back to Christ. Bless them and give them patience and kindness, especially in the tribunal mercy. And uh, bless all. Listen to this podcast, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.